stronger, be wiser. Our seat, our table. This is our voice, our time, our moment, our seat, our table. Yeah, hey, 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 our seat, our table. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Friday. It is February the 24th. February is always known as Black History Month. And you are listening to our seat, our table, the Leadership Lounge. Good morning, Daryl. Good morning, Barbara. How are you? I am so good, so good, and so good to be here. We have a fantastic show happening today. We've got some guests here from Oviedo. And from Rollins College directly, we have a student here. We're going to be talking uh, to Judith Dolores Smith. Judith Dolores Smith was the first African-American commissioner in Oviedo, just about maybe, what, two or three miles from here? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, as we've been saying all month, uh, this is... American history, black history every day, not every just relegated day. to 28 days in February. So, every day, so we're every day. So glad to have history amongst us in the studio with us today, live and in person. Live and in person, that's right. So you are listening to WPRK 91.5 FM. My name is Barbara Chandler, and you just heard our co-host, Daryl Gray. How's your week been thus far? Good. Really good. Okay. Anything yeah. interesting happened? Well, you invited me yesterday. It wasn't on the agenda, but I was so glad you invited me. And our second guest uh, will be talking more about the uh, event that took place here on campus at Rollins yesterday, and it was very encouraging. I thought so, too. And, and Daryl, what happened was I got a text. Here I was at another event, and I saw the text, and I said, you know what? We're going. We're going. We're going to go show support to to Rollins to the show support to the students at Rollins. So I'm so happy that we came. Um, so once again, you are listening to our seat, our table, the leadership lounge. And as we always say, our seat, our table was created to edify the marginalized voices, the disenfranchised voices. This is a space where our creative influencers, our grassroots leaders, that they can come and join us. They can have a seat at the table and talk about the things that they're doing in our community, in our local spaces. We know that during uh, civil unrest, a lot of grassroots organizations formed. And one of the things that keep grassroots organizations sustainable really is the work that they're doing and how many people know about it. So our goal is always to be able to create that platform Bring them here. Let them talk about the work that they're doing in their communities, in their respective communities, and how we can help promote that and how we can help support that. And, and the time that I've been with you, I don't know, throughout this month, uh, the people that I've, I've met and discovered, mm -hmm. uh, it, it underscores the whole point and purpose of, of your production idea for this program. Uh, and the operative word that I see is leadership. Yes. And, and they're unseen, unknown, unheard. Yes. And we're introducing and connecting each other 
to, to, to become more empowered and unified together for, for the same points and purposes. That's correct. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm encouraged about that and, and thankful that you've invited me to be on board. Oh, of course. You are just simply incredible. And the words that you spoke yesterday, and we're going to just get into that, but we want to definitely um, introduce Miss Judith Dolores Smith. Um, from Oviedo, Ms. Smith is your, are you, t- your mic? Okay. Okay. I'm yeah, here. she is here with us. And I learned about you maybe about three, 20, 2019, shortly 2019, 2020. And I saw something on, um, online, of course. And they said, Barbara, this is someone you should know. And I know that you had ran and you won. And um, shortly after that, I know that you got busy with a few projects that's happening in Oviedo. And so we want to hear all about it. Um, tell us, serving as the first African-American commissioner in uh, Oviedo, which is not too far from Winter Park, who lacks representation in over 100 years, what was that like for you? Well, first of all, it was a process. Um, I've been involved in the um, local government for many years. I was a member of the Oviedo Citizens in Action, and it's a grassroots uh, organization that was formed in the 1950s, I believe, to address um, some concerns that the black community had. So I was a secretary in that group. My sister was the president. So we were always involved in the um, government. And um, I was a little naive when I first ran because I thought that everybody could run for political office. Mm -hmm. But the political system um, is very interesting. Um, And um, so I'm glad I ran in my naivety because I learned a lot. And I ran the first time in 2009. Then I ran three more times. And again, each time I learned. Now, the uh, time before I won, I had run against seven opponents because it was an open seat. And the secret is you want to always go against an open seat because the incumbent always has the uh, advantage simply in the name uh, recognition. So, again, while I was doing that, I was making, um, I think, alliances all over the community because our um, um, black population, if you're if you're if you're wanting to be elected because you're black, well, the black, there's not enough black people to elect okay. you. So you have to. What's the population? I'm not sure. I mean, okay. you know, I've lived there all my life, but uh, um, at one point, we were a majority, I think, well, half and half. But, of course, there are, we have all kind of people living there now. So, again, um, to be candid with you, um, I, I, I knew a lot of people. And uh, I was making not alliances, but people were coming to know me, all people, black, white, right. um, Hispanic or whatever. community members. Yeah, yeah, to let them know that I'm, I'm representing the community because I've lived here all my life. And... Um, I'm, I'm truly representing the citizens of Oviedo. And uh, so anyway, on that, I think fourth time I was elected because not because I was a sudden thing or because um, or because I was black. No, right. because I had done the work. That's right. I, it wasn't it wasn't all of a sudden um, oh, it's time for somebody black. Oh, no, you don't win that way. Again, you make alliances with people and let them know that you're concerned. So when I was elected, um, I did not. Uh, on my on my uh, acknowledgement that I had won, I did not say, "Oh, I'm the first African American." Not no, because I did not want my term to be to be relegated to just a council uh, council member who was African American. No, no, no. Do not um, um, put me in that uh, corner because 
then I think it, um, I don't know if expectations diminish or whatever. And I want it to be the best council member, not just African-American or not just woman. No, I was going to be the best one. And I worked, I worked hard. I can tell you that I worked hard and I worked hard because of who I am, not because I was trying to make a statement about being the first African-American. No, I was trying to show that uh, I wanted to represent the citizens in a true manner. I wanted to uphold my um, oath of office and I wanted to, again, make our community better. And um, I had several people tell me that they saw how hard I was working. Correct. And, what was um, the support like for, for you from the community at large? Do you want me to be honest? Please. No. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm joking. If, if, do you yeah, want me to be yeah, honest? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 100% authentic, please. I'll tell you what happened. While I was, um, again, I'm trying to be the best council member possible and to look out for the entire community and of course because my ancestry is African descent I'm going to be concerned about them but again we have more than people of African descent in the community and so we were in the time of COVID a an event unknown in human history and so I got into office thinking oh it'll be just a regular uh, time in office I'll get in there Okay, but that February, COVID hits. Correct. And so we are tasked with leading the community who are afraid. Right. Rightly so. They're afraid of the virus. But to our credit, we continue to meet in the council. And I'm so proud of that. Uh, we wore the mask and whatever, but we continue to meet. While, in person? Yes. Okay. While doing city business. And so, uh, and I'm going to be honest with you, authentic. You want authenticity. Yes. I'll give you authenticity. So in the middle of this... Um, I was challenged um, by an event. I won't go into it. And uh, it was regarding Black Lives Matter. Okay. Well, I had an opinion about that, and I gave it. And I was concerned about what was happening with that particular group. Um, um, I dare say when I went against it, because I was not for that, then everybody assumed that I was against black people i'm saying what the heck are you talking about i'm i am concerned about you and because um there's information you need to know i'm giving you that information don't assume that i'm against you why would you assume that i'm against you when i live my whole life in the community i'm concerned for the community and i'm giving you information that i challenge people to check out i said you check it out don't believe me you you're, you're check speaking it out. about as far as the organization. Yes. Okay. The organization. Okay. Because right. again, I'm talking about it when, when you have things like that coming in and I see a danger. And again, I am upholding my responsibility as a council person. I'm protecting the citizens from, from the domestic and uh, uh, international enemies. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, it may seem like, uh, okay, uh, who is she to say that? But that's my oath that danger comes in many forms. Domestic danger right, also. Right. So anyway, once I did that, then my support in, in terms of my um, local community, uh, uh, oh, it just deteriorated. It went down right. mm. because they saw me, again, as being a racist. And I'm saying, well, how the heck? Well, I said, okay. And I was um, um, called a racist during my uh, next election uh, when I was campaigning, when uh, the election that I lost. And I'm saying, that seems odd. 
But if you want to go there, you go head on with that. And so that's what transpired. Wow. And that's what. Um, but you did serve your term. I served one term. And okay. then the next term is when um, I was um, um, uh, um, targeted by, and I can, you know, go, I won't go into details, but organizations that targeted me again, calling me racist. And I'm saying, well, that seems kind of crazy. But I was targeted racist because of my, uh, if you want to, my conservative Christian, Judo, Judeo uh, uh, Christian values. I believe that was the case. Wow. But in any case, and during that election, that my last election, um, um, one person um, who um, uh, came out of my defense, and it was a white man, and he wrote a letter to the Sentinel uh, because he saw where this particular group had sent out a message that uh, I was racist because I didn't do a particular thing. And they didn't put my picture there. But when he saw my picture, he was he was horrified. But they used your name. They said and that I was racist. Wow. And without showing my head, they show my picture, then I maybe people would have yeah. said, oh, well, that doesn't seem right. But yeah. again, and um, um, so that happened. But this man came to my defense and wrote a letter to the Orlando Sentinel um, that he thought it was odd that I was being portrayed as a racist by a uh, a local group, uh, a prominent group, um, when I am, in fact, descendants of African slaves. So that's what happened during my course. But I give you that as background, not to, uh, uh, to clarify things for you, but to also let you know what I went through mm-hmm. as someone who's trying to do their job. Forget that I'm of African descent. I'm just trying to do my job the best way I can. And as I'm listening to you, okay, uh, is there a property I can move to Oviedo right now? Anyway, you you got my vote. Um, (laughs) So you did the work from 2009 for about— 2009 is when—well, no, before that. I was involved in local community. Yeah. But again, actually um, starting the process of running in 2009, and I ran four times. So you— you laid the masonry, the, yes, the brick yes, I did. Uh, of work, of investing to leverage and manifest. Yes. Um, you know, you're, as I like to say, citizenship is not partisanship. And you were focusing on the issues. Yes. And the conflict, if I'm hearing and understanding, was uh, as, it, as it circled to you being a racist, was, was it based on the issues or the organization structure. Okay, I'm going to be completely honest with you. It appears that um, 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 people of African descent who have conservative leanings, Judeo-Christian, are are uh, if you don't follow the party line, then you're labeled as mm-hmm. a racist. Doesn't matter that I'm of African descent; I'm still a racist. And then there's the the discussion currently, as we're hearing some say that. Uh, Melanation can't possibly be racist because you are melanated. And and if you want to get into that, it's it's not. And I think maybe racist is a wrong term. Again, I'll go from Judeo-Christian values. I'm trying to treat people as um, I, I would want them to treat me mm-hmm. according to Judea. Yeah. And, and again, uh, when I'm looking, because um, I'll give you an example. My brother is blind. And sometimes you can do um, make out from the intonation of the voice. Sometimes who's, you may be able to who's black or white. But, you, but if you're blind, you can't know who's black, white, or whatever. So you want to treat whoever you meet with kindness. 
the same way you would want to be treated. So that's the way I live my life, especially now that we're in such difficult times. I think sometimes we're sidetracked by issues that maybe are not so great after all because, um, again, um, there's when you, when you divide, you conquer. And the thing is always uh, divide and conquer. So you have to think. We have to start really thinking and looking at things uh, uh, in a broader sense. Right. And, and I think when we look at the word racist or racism, especially during the uh, civil unrest, Black Lives Matter movement, uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, I think we were looking at the structures, a lot of the systemic um, um, institutional structures that were not um, always leaning or um, where African-Americans or other marginalized groups felt like the structural institutional um, disenfranchisement kept out, kept us locked out of the system. Can I respond to that? Absolutely. The, a project that I have now, and again, I'm trying, um, I'm so proud of it. Uh, we uh, started the Historic Oviedo Colored Schools Museum. Can you say the name again? Uh, Historic Oviedo Colored Schools Museum. Okay. There's a building. Uh, well, let me start from the beginning. Um, in Oviedo, at the time when we were segregated, Oviedo had seven colored schools right. around the area. Um, in 1950, they were consolidated into the school in Oviedo. Once, and I'm using they were na- different names for the system of schools that uh, educated the descendants of African slaves. So that's why I'm using Oviedo Colored Schools. Got it. Okay, there's one building that remains, and it's in Seminole County proper, uh, not in the city limits, but it's it's Oviedo mailing address, and it's the St. James A.M.E. Church that's owned by the African Methodist Episcopal Diocese. Well, it was built around 1933 as a church, and then it was also used as a colored school, the Gabriella Colored School. Uh, and, and the history of colored schools is that normally they were either held in churches because churches didn't meet during the week, so they would use that building, Correct. or they were next door to a church. As when my mother went, and um, my mother was born in 1910, she went to a colored school next door to the Antioch Missionary Baptist Church. Well, when I started, I, I, and I compiled a history book, because there was nothing, uh, and I'm going to leave this with you. I, I think you may have one, I hope. No? I do not. Well, I, I will not. leave this yes, with you. Yes, yes, I compiled the history book because uh, when I went to uh, uh, inquire from the uh, the school board, uh, wh- where are the artifacts for the colored schools? Nothing. So yeah. I said, uh, and we had a reunion. That's why I, and I love uh, uh, researching because I did genealogical research was an eye-opener. So I said, let me be the one to, to pull the history together. And I did, and I made it into a book, and I got pictures from the community. I put the word out in the community, nice. and I would go and copy the uh, uh, pictures at Kinko's and give them back to people. Well, I always knew this because my mother was an educator, and went through great lengths to get her degree. And this is uh, around 19, she's born in 1910. So we're talking that era when they were segregated. She got her high school diploma from FAMU High School. Um, in locally, in the Oviedo area, I'm just going to concentrate on Oviedo. If uh, uh, people of African descent wanted to go to school after eighth grade, they had to go outside the city to Crooms Academy. And in then Sanford. also Hungerford. Hungerford in Eatonville. A, a lot yeah. of people, like my, my uh, cousin who was born in 1916, graduated from Hungerford, and my cousin who 
um, she was born in 1930. She graduated from Hungerford. My sister attended Hungerford. Um, at that time, she boarded with a teacher there. So again, there was a, a lot of things that were going on. But during and I and I and I tell people this, the thing that we have to be proud of, and this this is the question I asked us today: Why, if during that time, when there was segregation and Jim Crow laws, correct? Why were we able to advance so far? Because at that time, there was a strong black middle class. We saw no boundaries. Why, when the legal boundaries have been removed, we can go to any restaurant we want to, we can go to any school we want to, we can get any scholarship we want to. If you just put something in Google about black, this, right, you can find a scholarship. In Oviedo, you can walk to Seminole Community College. You can walk to UCF if you wanted to because that's the distance that people from our my mother's generation did. They walked five miles right. to get to school. And my mother had to go away from home to get her high school diploma. But yet they did it in the midst of segregation, Jim Crow, you name it. And they did it. And also what they did, and I just asked a question. I said, I asked a question. They were buying land. My dad bought so much land around Oviedo, and he inspired other people because people would tell me, your dad said, buy land, buy land. Bought land, owned a home, owned two homes because we got a new home later on. Uh, I, I, and, and again, it was true of other descendants of Africans right. in the community. Right. They weren't stagnant. One thing, and when my mother's, uh, when her, her students, if they didn't go to college, they had three choices. They can go to a, a, a trade school, which she sent my cousin because she couldn't afford to do any better. She sent her for her uh, a beautician's license. A lot of people went to the historically black uh, colleges. And then if you couldn't do that, what did you do? You went to the military. There are a lot of descendants schools. who went to the military, military and were able to make schools. careers out of it. And they came back right. and did businesses. Right. And so, they did all of that. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, so. Did you get an answer to your question as to? I'm keeping to asking. Because I have a similar question. I'm asking. I'm asking every. And again, it's not just. It's 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 descendants. Af, af, the descendants, and I'm putting it like this specifically. The descendants yeah. of African slaves. Because again, when I go back and look at what they went through, mm-hmm. and what they espoused, and mm-hmm. what they what yeah, they were I, I, I have a similar question to you. I, I said, how is our how how is our forebearers done more with less, and we do less with more. And I have, I have, you have I, an answer? I have an answer, but I'm not going to give my answer. If people want it later <laughs> on, I will give we'll it. Talk. But, but, but again, my wait, question. Wait, wait, we got we to gotta, we gotta at least give our listening audience an answer. Because, yes, we got to <laughs> okay, give them okay, something. We got to okay. give them something. All right. Because this is a very important um, discussion when we start looking at African-American, black history, uh, DOS, descendants of slaves, and what they and, and the history, what you just repeated, a lot of it is similar to Hannibal Square, to Eatonville, and now we get to make the connections. But then the question that you placed out, what Daryl always also placed, how were they able to do um, a lot of great things, accomplish a lot of great things um, when we look at um, uh, African Americans today. And I always say that in some cases, segregation worked for our good. 
segregation allowed us to keep those stores, keep that economic engine moving in our communities. So even though some of them, as you stated, and, um, and I always say, whether you had a formal education or not, you knew the importance of buying land. You knew that generational wealth, acquiring land, um, you know that was important. So I think one of the questions or one of the answers to the questions that's posed, integration kind of um, derailed us. We felt that integrating would give us more when, in fact, it took away a lot from us. So that's that's my answer. I, 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 I don't want to leave it hanging and have um, our listeners wondering, but that's my answer. I felt in certain cases, because we had to work um, um, because of segregation, we had to work within our structures, within our communities, within our churches, within our schools. We were able to grow and build because that was the focus. Once integration came and we felt like we were being included, we became even more. We, we got we got yeah, robbed. <laughs> I, I, th there's a number of words that come to mind, <laughs> and in no particular order, uh, determination, self determination that was undergirded by necessity of survival. Right. And uh, so, you know, when you put those pieces together, you know, that was foundational for us. Uh, and generationally, uh, we, we had that DNA in us pre-1619. Right. Okay? So that, that never left us. But to Barbara's point, you know, the integration... Uh, as I like to say, uh, I'll use the illustration of, of the game uh, Jenga. And, and when you take a plank out, <laughs> it, it destabilizes. <laughs> and, 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 and I like to say uh, we have Jenga side <laughs> that continues to destabilize us, yes. thinking that we're pursuing the American dream, as we talked about yes. yesterday, <laughs> when in actuality it's an American nightmare for some. You, 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 you both, you, you inspire me to give you my answer. Okay. You inspire We're waiting. Me. We're at the edge of the seats. Because I Come love the discussion. I love that you're having it. I love, yes. and, the, and the reason I ask it, again, coupled with this marvelous history that I look back at and, and, and am immersed in, and I remember what they told us when we were in segregated schools, they said you have to be better than the best. And I mean, you they they pointed upward always. They told us to shoot for the moon. Mm -hmm. And we believed them. Right. We believed what they were telling us. And we it didn't matter that we were segregated and there were harsh Jim Crow laws. It didn't matter because that generation that taught us, you gotta give them kudos that they didn't care if we were segregated, Jim Crow laws. That wasn't their concern. They said that's not their concern. Their concern was to educate us in order to have the best advantage possible. And again, I mentioned Judeo-Christian values, that the schools were built next to churches. The school that I'm renovating was operating in a church. Wow. Let's we. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We. And I'm going to just. You want mm -hmm. that? We got away from our judeo Christian values. We gave over control or our hope to a system 
that we created ourselves, the system of government that can't do anything for us, where we, out of necessity, what self-determined, self-determined because of our hope in God. That was our hope. That I, 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 in the church there, I tell people when we were growing up about the moaning bench. I don't know if you heard that term before. That the when moaning bench, moaning mm-hmm. bench in the church mm-hmm. during prayer. Oh, you know, during prayer meeting when I'm things were young, so bad. When things were bad, we were under Jim Crow laws. When we didn't have the government to say, here's some food stamps. No, we didn't have that. So who did we go to? We went to the moaning bench in the mm-hmm. church. And yes, we moaned to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yes, and Jesus. Okay. And they moaned because we didn't have anybody else to turn to. The government had said, no, we got laws here. You can't go beyond this line. And so we moaned. And you know what happened? As a result of the moaning and the suffering, we built a black middle class. We were resolute. We were resolute. And we did it within the community. We supported each other. We gave each other food. We had gardens. And we passed around. And so what, what, what happens? What magically happens when... We they see, and I'm I'm not using they in a sense of bad men. No, no. When they, I'll talk about the universe. When they see, like I, I gave an example during the the uh, groundbreaking, when the Israelites were in Egypt and Pharaoh was, oh, he was laying it on them. The scriptures say, and they became stronger. They <laughs> grew, and so that's the same thing that happened to us. The more we were pressed down. It seemed the stronger we became. We got stronger. Adversity. Adversity usually brings it, out the it. best. Well, that, that's 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 yeah. the uh, the uh, I, I'm, I'm pressed for the word, but that's how a diamond is yes. made. <laughs> yes. From yes. a lump of yes. Yes. to yes. a gem. Yes. Wow. Under wow, pressure. Wow. Yes. We need to embrace, and that's the, the why alchemy, we need to embrace. The word it. I was looking for the alchemy. Yes. There from it is. Pressure. Yeah. From and pressure. so, whereas before that, we were. Oh, looking down on the pressure, looking down on yeah. the Jim Crow laws, looking down on the segregation. I think our ancestors embraced it because they yeah. didn't see an end coming. Yeah. So they just embraced that. Yeah. They said, okay, yeah. that's what we got to deal with. We'll deal with that. But we still sending our children to college. We're going to send them to the military. We're going to get them professions. We're going to make them buy land, which you could do. We're going to have mm-hmm. our own businesses. We're going to do it because that's what we have to, to do. do. And we didn't use excuses. They didn't use excuses. I tell my mom and dad then all of a sudden around the dinner table said, now you little black child, um, you can't do any better. My mom said, did you read a book today? Mm. Right, 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 right. Um, it you was better different. read. It was different. Yeah, we, you, we, we, you and I are probably Probably of the yeah, same generation, yes, yes. and and I can I I've said to a lot of people, you know, when I was coming up, we were not allowed to say I cannot, exactly, and well, we, we were not allowed to discount, say I don't know. We don't want to discount our parents today. I think we. No, I'm not do, discounting when I say right. that. No, I'm not no, 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 and that. I'm not saying you are, but I also want us to be mindful that a lot of our parents today are also taking a lot of those cues from that generation of that instilled those values. Right. They are taking those cues. We have a lot of parents right. who are homeschooling. Yes. They're doing um, yes. the, uh, the, the, what do we call it? 
the sideline education. Yes. So it, we do have it's a, a renaissance. Right. Yes. So we do we are trying to find that balance of what was there historically before. Because those values, as you both have stated, as I will state, because I came up under those values, it's what kept us individually and collectively. And I believe that um, our contemporary parents, I'll use that term, mm -hmm. contemporary parents are also saying we got to go back to those values. Yo, You're listening yeah. to Our Seat, Our Table, the Leadership Lounge live. We are live this Friday. We are so happy to have joining us uh, Judith Dolores Smith, who is here from Oviedo. And we have Lim. Tell, tell us your last name. Liam King. Liam King? Mm -hmm. Ah, that's a strong name. Good morning. Liam King, who is a student here at Rollins and led the march yesterday, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion March, and we're going to hear from him. Judith, I want to learn more about the museum that you are working on. Give us a little juice, and spill the tea with us on what should we expect and how can we support. The, the, uh, what you can expect is, again, we're renovating the building um, nice. to save it uh, because it means something. It Even though it looks, um, um, it, I mean, you look at it and you said, oh, my gosh. But what happened was that saved the building. We had a um, builder in the local community mm. that came, uh, not uh, a roofer, because the building was imploding. And our um, board of directors, we've been together since 2018 trying to raise monies, and it was difficult. But last year, I met this roofer at the MLK celebrations in Oviedo. He saw the picture I had there of the building, and he says, I think I can help you. Now, that's God. I credit God. That was God that walked by. And I said, sure, you can. And he says, well, call me. I know, uh, email me. And so anyway, I emailed him because he said for me to, and I followed through. And he, that night, he gave a uh, uh a sketch or, or whatever he gone on online and did a, a Google and whatever he did. And so he mapped out what I, materials I would need. And he said, I'm giving to, this to you. He said, this is valuable. He said, if I can't help you, you can give this to a roofer and they can uh, tell you how much called? it's like going to cost. Rendering? Yes. Did the rendering? It's like a rendering. And so, but by uh, wow. June of 2022, he and his sister owned the company, uh, certified best roofing. They put on the roof and, the only thing I had to give them was my signature on the forms for the county. They took care of the fees and everything. And so, anyway, he saved the building that gave us time to get the state grant for 228500 from the state of Florida Department uh, of State. And so, uh, again, what we hope to accomplish and you, what you are talking about, what we hope to remind people of, and, again, we say on our website that what we've been through, we can teach others. Right how to survive in the midst of difficult times because we've been through it. And I believe we as a community will be tasked with that because all of the stuff that's going on now, suicide rates are high. It's hard to find a place that you can afford. Yes. All of this is happening worldwide. Yes. But I, in our, my mantra, I say, we are going to lead you out because we accomplish much doing the same thing that's happening now where we couldn't, live anywhere we wanted to, where food was hard to come by, where education was hard to come by, where we were restricted because of the color of our skin. But we thrived. We are under very difficult situations. So I believe, I believe the task that we are given is to lead the world out of this mess. And one of the ways we will do it 
is, again, what we relied on during that time. And there's no sugar coat. Not on sugar coat in anymore. Mm-hmm. Is we went to the morning bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. We went. Mm-hmm. We, yes. And we went to somebody who could do something for us. We went to an invisible God who uh, people discount. But he... We're going to have to pass around a collection plate in a pass minute. Pass it around. Go ahead. I'll Let put the, the collection say. plate Amen. will go towards the funding and the building of the museum. What will the name yes. of the museum be? It's it's Historic Oviedo College Schools Museum, and it's the first uh, we when we present it to the African American Episcopal Diocese, uh-huh. our plan, it's the first stage of a two stage because it's not in the city of Oviedo, and nor will it hold all of the other. Uh, a memorabilia for the Artifacts. seven. Okay. So we are looking for a place in the city limits of Oviedo to house a bigger space. Okay. But again, our mantra is, and again, I, I believe, and you've started it, you have started it, that we as descendants of African slaves, and I love that term. I love saying that because it, it, it says much more than African-Americans. The descendants of slaves, and we as those descendants, I think, have been tasked with leading this world out of this horrible situation. Wow. We say we've been through it. Follow us. Okay. All righty. So we got a lot this one. We got a Friday sermon. Uh, We're going to entitle this one Friday Sermon. Again, you're listening to Our Seat, Our Table, uh, the Leadership Lounge. Uh, You just heard from Judith Dolores Smith, um, Oviedo resident, and also, can we say the founder? Founder of the, tell us the name again. Uh, founder of the Ov- uh, historic Oviedo Colored Schools with an S Museum. And do you have a website? Yes, our website, and I'm going to read it. Just I don't want to do it wrong. It's H uh, O C S then Museum, and it's all together, no spaces. dot org, and it stands for Historic Oviedo Colored Schools Museum. dot org. Okay, that's a mouthful. Well, we are excited. I'm definitely going to be. I'm staying in touch with you as the process and the building. Um, my goal is always to connect all of our local African-American museums. Let those stories again help to shape where we are now and where we are going. It's important that we know our history in order to do what's next for the future. And, so and we're going to get together and we'll do some moaning. <laughs> And you after that, that we'll get I'm some work on. Collection. You better believe it. Uh, and we're going to march on till victory is won. You bet, because we, we are on. going up. If you know, where, you know where your source comes from, why shouldn't we succeed? You're absolutely yeah. right. On that moaning bench. Right. All righty. So we have one of Rollins' students with us, Liam King. Am I saying it right? That's correct. All right, Liam. What a nice name. It's perfect. <laughs> so it's so funny because... That you're here with us today, a lot of times when we're leaving at 10 o'clock, you're walking across campus <laughs> passing us. And I always notice you because of your beautiful locks. So <laughs> I'm so glad that you could join us. Yesterday, it's destiny. I, yes, exactly, exactly. Yesterday, I received a text and it said that Rollins, um, they were having a protest on campus um, due to the diversity, equity, and inclusion that's being removed and taken from our um, educational institutions um, and all of these other institutions, and you were one of the uh, coordinators of that. Mm -hmm. So tell us, Liam, Mr. King, what inspired you to 
lead and coordinate this this protest that we so needed? So it came as a result of Rollins's being a private college. We felt that because we as a private institution don't have the same obligation to follow the commands of the governor, we have an external obligation to fight for the rights of the students in these public schools. Um, because we know that once the public schools are taken over, and that's already beginning in New College of Florida and in other Florida universities, um, the private schools are next. And there is things that uh, autocratic governors can do right. to target Rollins College. And what we want to demonstrate is that the history that's being banned is history that needs to be taught. Exactly. And so, so much of the conversation that we've had this morning yes. is about the power of history and the value that knowing your own history brings to an individual and the fact that you can build on your history to do something better. If we ban histories of queer individuals and of black individuals in schools, that removes their ability to form communities and to build power. And that's exactly the goal of these targeted attacks. And so we as students want to bring attention to this issue and we want to build a broader coalition of community members who care about academic freedom and who care about education and who care about history and who feel that these things need to be taught in our schools. We got another preacher in the house. <laughs> we got another preacher in the house. Daryl, you and I were there yesterday and I, I want to thank you so much that when I reached out to you and you were in the Winter Park area, you got here before I did. You you were you were on site before I was, and we heard from these students. We heard from students at Rollins and um, instructors, professors um, that came out and they spoke out against this. What was some of your takeaway? Where where are you in this? Hmm. There was there were so many takeaways. Um, there was one in particular, um, and I, I don't want to you know, put pecking order mm-hmm. and values, mm-hmm. but because there, there were so many. So many. Uh, there was one young lady who talked about her ethnicity and nationality and her upbringing that, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to be discreet, uh, where, she, where she was raised to, to believe to be something else right. than, than herself, uh, her complexion. Uh, she wanted to be a different complexion than what she was. And she has now since learned uh, the, the true value of her authentic full self. And uh, it, it was as, as low-key as, as she was speaking, mm-hmm. you, could, you could feel the energy and, and how she was trying to maintain her composure because she was so passionate about where she, where, where she was standing right there. Yes. That, that that she planted herself with full power. And it, it was, ah, uh, man, whew, you talking about moaning. <laughs> that was a moaning moment, okay? And uh, I, I, I went over to her, you know, to validate and, and to connect because this, this is what it's about. And, and uh, to your point, Liam, about information and knowledge and education, et cetera, um, we've often heard the cliche of knowledge is power, mm-hmm. No, um, applied knowledge is power. Okay, you, you can be wired with the electricity mm-hmm. and all the infrastructure and plumbing, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But unless and until you activate and flip that switch, mm-hmm. 
uh, it's, the power is not there. Yeah, so right. it, you have to apply it. Yeah. And, and what's happening uh, where they're trying to divest and block uh, the access of the information, the true information, the American true information. Uh, as I said yesterday, and what did I say yesterday? <laughs> um, <laughs> you apologized. Yeah. Do you I, remember? That yeah. was one of the first things. When you spoke to the group, you apologized. Tell us about that because that one struck me too. Um, I, as I've you know, examined my life, where I'm at, uh, then, now, and going forward, and I look at my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation, my great-grandparents' generation, uh, how they overcame. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's the upside of things. But the less-than side of things where some things were not spoken about or talked about or shared with us to spare us from the pain, the suffrage, mm -hmm. the embarrassment. But th that best of those intentions sometimes have ill-equipped us because we lacked that knowledge. Mm -hmm. and, and that goes back to what we said earlier about you know the alchemy of the pressure yes. to create yes. the diamond. Yes. Well, they want to spare us from that pressure of that pain, the suffrage, and the embarrassment with good intentions, but didn't always work out. And so some there were some instances where I, we, us, our generation, the boomers, mm -hmm. now when we have the children who are the Gen X and, and, and the millennials and the Zs, well, if we were ill-equipped, then how can we equip them? That's right. And that's my apology to right. say, okay, now we know, and back to your point, Barbara, yeah. Now the renaissance of, of regaining knowledge yes. in the midst, and as I've said earlier on previous broadcasts, it really jumps out to me, and I referenced it yesterday, Dr. King's speech that is lesser known in contrast to the, the dream speech, mm -hmm. the remain awake speech, right. remaining awake in a great revolution. Mm -hmm. that's, that speech is hardly even known. Mm -hmm. I just discovered it about a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he gave that speech. One day we're going to have to bring that speech in yeah, and read it. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it back in yeah. soon. Yeah. So, so here we are. Right. Here we are. And, 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 and with more, with more I'm going to use the word issues for a lack of a better term, mm -hmm. where, where it's not just a matter of African Americans having their voice, having a seat at the table, but we're also talking about other issues, women's issues, um, educational issues, um, our uh, our community of LBGT plus IA. Mm -hmm. And so now those have compounded. We have so much more issues now. When when we left yesterday, you um, the group announced the group that coordinated the event. They announced that something else would be happening. So, what is the next step um, after the protest yesterday, which I felt was very effective because I believe this is the first one that I have been to around whether it's uh, banning of the books, whether it is um, around diversity, equity, and inclusion being removed. Um, what is the next step to keep these conversations going? I think what the model goes back to is the 1960s student activist 
who started with consciousness. We ain't going back. <laughs> we, yeah, and yeah. so yesterday we passed out information that just said what's actually happening in the state of Florida yeah. and how severe the situation is, and that's consciousness raising. And so last night in Dave's Boathouse on Rollins College, we had an event where professors discussed recent events and gave like more educated perspectives, and that's consciousness raising. And so, how was the turnout? It was actually magnificent. Excellent. Interestingly, there was a lot of trustees there who okay. who were in town for Rollins events, and they came to witness that. And what we're seeing is, or what we're hoping is, that we can take this consciousness and cultivate it within the college and build a community around caring about these issues and then translate that into action. And I think that's a very powerful spot for us to work with other members of the community because you talked about there's so many different issues at play within these conversations, and I think that makes it more difficult to talk yes. about them sometimes, but it also means we have more power if we band together. That's right. That's right. I completely agree with that. Um, I we, we chanted yesterday, mm. and one of the chants was, we won't go back. Daryl, mm-hmm. we, we said we, we're, we're not, not going, going back. back. Daryl said going we back. won't go back. I didn't start back. it. I didn't yeah, start yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's important because here we are. We are in the age of such sophisticated technology. And then to try to say that um, certain uh, approaches are going to be removed, they're going to be banned, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't add up. And so that always goes to my question, and I think I posed this to you yesterday, Daryl, is this a distraction? Well, it's it, by design, intentionally. Um, don't pay attention. Uh, don't know your history. Yes. Because if you do know your history, as I pointed out yesterday, th- this this is not new. This is not new. Um, just look at global history, particularly European history in 1938 and 39. And do a split screen and say, What's the difference between then and now? Right. Oh, my goodness. And it's terrifying to And then see. look what happened after 1939. Yes. Yes. Um, so I know during the month of, um, and we talk about this all the time, during the month of February, uh, working at the museum, we have a lot of people coming in. I think I did two tours in one day. Um, the chief historian, Farrell Livingston, she did about two tours, one behind the other. I'm still getting a lot of calls, and we love that. We want people to come in. There's a lot of walking traffic. Miss um, Smith, you are going to experience that once that museum opens. Um, and it's almost one of these things when you try to remove something from people, even those who may not have seemed interested in it, all of a sudden now there is this influx and this desire to learn local African-American history. I'm seeing it. People are asking more questions. And this is of all ages and all backgrounds. So it, it's almost like, uh, Liam, you can't have that. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, why can't I have it? So that it, it almost creates a desire and an urgency to, to learn. Any weigh-ins? Get it while it's hot. Uh, <laughs> Before, before it's not. I, I have a, a comment. Um, yeah. I attended, um, this is the, um, let me get it right, the um, Black Student Union at Oviedo High School, and the teacher is Kimberly Finnegan. Um, and uh, this is, the, they, last night was their first um, 
um, Black History Showcase. Okay. Uh, I don't know how long they've been active, maybe two years now. And it was beautiful. Uh, and uh, Miss Finnegan just has done a great job. Uh, but what I noticed during the activity is that um, there were hardly any black students in the audience. There were some participating, uh, but none in the audience, hardly. Um, and, th- and what I have noticed when I'm talking about our history um, in terms of segregation, which is a marvelous history, it's not something to be dismissed because we achieved so much that most people don't know that we were segregated. And I'm just telling most people don't. When I bring up we were segregated, they say, well, I didn't know that. And I'm talking about people who should know. So uh, what I think has happened, somebody's dropped the ball, and, and the ball doesn't necessarily belong in the uh, lap of an institution. Um, the, the first people that have contact with the child are the parents. So where did the ball get dropped that, we don't know our history. That's a, that was an example of my apology. Mm-hmm. And, yes, and, and the parents. But again, the, and again, and and, and I, I don't mean to. Again, I think what we have done in the past, which is not going to work, mm-hmm. in my opinion, mm-hmm. is that we have relegated solutions to institutions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is not where the solution nope. lies. We're the institution. Yes, we We're are. We, I, by doing this. I took it upon myself with my personal funds to say, I'm going to teach this history. I'm going to save that building. And in the process, yes, the state of Florida gave me me money. We're starting to get donations from people in the community who see the value in saving the building and passing on the history. Mm -hmm. So, again, we didn't wait for somebody, some Mm -hmm. person to come along and said, okay, matter of fact, the building that I'm doing now set empty with a hole in the roof for six months. Wow. And eventually I got tired of it. And I said, who owns this building? We got to at least cover that hole. And that started the process with me, not an institution, mm-hmm. with one person who says, I'm tired of this. I want this history preserved and I'm going to do what it takes. And I'm telling you at great cost to me, financially, my time, everything, it has cost me, but I'm trying to give a present to the next generation. That's right. And Liam, right. you and I, we talked mm-hmm. yesterday, and what I'm hearing Ms. Smith say, mm-hmm. are you seeing the same similarities uh, of the then and now? Exactly. It's about people power. And I think what I realize is when you live in a fascist or semi-fascist place, it feels like you don't have any power. But as Mrs. Smith was talking about, when you band together um, – we live in a democracy, even still. And so people have the power to influence the world around them more than institutions do. Um, and I was going back to the 1960s civil rights activists and especially the students. If a professor wasn't teaching the way they wanted them to, they would remove the professor from the classroom. That's right. And so I think with our activism, we have yet to see that level of action and that level of individual commitment beyond institutions. Wow. Wow. Uh, Liam, how can someone learn more of the efforts that's happened here on campus and how can they connect in? Um, how can they connect with you or with Stella? Mm. The best thing to do would be to follow me on Instagram. Okay. It's Liam T. King, L I A M T, period 
K-I-N-G. Liam T. King. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And once again, you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table. We are here as a weekly radio station podcast. If you're not able to catch us Friday morning from 9 to 10, you can also go to Spotify, type in Our Seat, Our Table, the Leadership Lounge, and you will hear the show. We would like to thank, uh, wow, we would like to thank uh, Judith Dolores Smith for being here with us. We would like to thank Liam King for being here with us. We would like to thank Liam King for being here with us. And um, Daryl, any parting words at this time? Oh, not enough time. When's part two? (laughs) We got to do this again. We must do this again. We must do this again. I'm excited for the museum. I mean, so when when can we expect to see it? Right now, I'm hoping when I get home, I have the um, uh, document I need from the architect to submit to the state so we can get our first draw of 50000 Once we get that, that will just shoot us into the stratosphere. We'll get five um, um, uh, payments of 50000 each. Excellent, excellent. So, so maybe... This time next year? Definitely, definitely. We'll push it. If the trades are available, and I'm telling you I'm going to push it because i like to see it open by the end of the year. Like the architect told me, he's trying to get me in to the building. We're not going to be completely done, but we will be in there so we can have people start coming in. You have my interest. All right. All righty, so make it a good Friday. Thank you once again to, for listening to Our Seat, Our Table, the Leadership Lounge. Go higher, think greater, be stronger, be wiser, our seat, our table. This is our voice, our time, our moment, our seat, our table.